Hello, and welcome to the Whole Equestrian Podcast, where we're bridging the gap between riding and wellness, discussing topics related to mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. Our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses. First of all, I wanted to say thank you so much to everyone who sent such good uh, positive feedback about our last episode with Wood Fulton on the state of the industry. I know that there was some requests for more things like that. So um, listening to those requests and putting that together. I was really sick the first weekend of the year, so I did not get one out for the first of January, but I'm really excited to bring you today's guest. Um, very candidly, Alexa Lapp and I have uh, really closely tied history in the horses. We worked together for almost three years um, at Jenny Brannigan's, and uh, Alexa always impressed me with how hard she worked and how long she had been in that program. So as the positive feedback from Woods' episode came in, I thought there would be no one better than Alexa to kind of have a similar conversation um, and just talk about some of the positives um, and negatives of being in a program, some of her experiences, and uh, I'm really excited how this one turned out. So keep on listening. Today, I am joined by Alexa Lapp. Um, Alexa Lapp is a four-star rider that groomed uh, and rode with Jenny Brannigan for, what, eight, nine years? Long time. Um, so why don't I hand it over to you and you can tell me a little bit about like how you got into horses and how you ended up you know, being in that program and working for such a long time? Yeah. Um, so I do not come from a horse background at all. Um, but I did live in Lancaster County, so there were a lot of horse and buggies and I, my friend took a couple riding lessons when I was like five, I went home and I was like, I want to take riding lessons. Uh, so my mom who is from New York took me to the barn and which was hilarious because I'm pretty sure she was in flip-flops and obviously that's like, yeah, uh, not a good thing to be doing. So <laughs> she was like, she won't stick with it. She likes to be clean. I was like a really not tidy, clean kid and I just ended up sticking with it um, and I had the same trainer for a very long time her name's Bonnie Wallace and she owned some horses for Ryan Wood actually who was at True Prospect with Jenny and they were both up and coming and she was like this Jenny Brannigan she's gonna be something special like I want you to go work for her one day and I was like 10 at this time so I didn't even I don't think I even evented when she brought me to my first event and was like, that's Jenny Brannigan. She was riding Cooper at like the intermediate at Fair Hill or something forever ago. And I was like, okay. And so then fast forward to, I think it was 2012, Jenny posted on Facebook saying she needed help uh, over Christmas time at True Prospects. They were short staffed. And I, yeah, I was, I would have been 13, I think at the time. And my trainer reached out and she's like, I've got this kid. She's young, but she'll work hard. So I went over and Jenny was amazing to me. I She let me like ride ping the one day as like a thank you. Um, she, she didn't even pay me. She offered free lessons for a year. And I was like, that's the best deal ever. I will come on Christmas and help. Um, yeah. And then she taught me a couple of lessons and I got it stuck in my head that I wanted to go to Ocala. I read every Eventing Nation article ever um, about people that went south. And I thought it was so cool. And I asked her if she would um, if I could come work for her for a winter and she was kind of skeptical. I was so young. I was 16. She was like, yeah, you know, you've been helpful like, you know, throughout the summer. And I went and worked for an Ocala with all the intention of going back to high school. I had put my classes online for half a semester. And I was like, I'm going back for my senior year of high school just for this quick little winter. And then that turned into, she asked if I wanted to come stay or like be with her full time. And I was like, yeah, this has been fun. I'll continue. Um, so that was the long-winded beginning part. And then from there, like the opportunities at Jenny's just like kept rolling. She bought me, um, Paprika, who is this awesome little mare that no one wanted. She'd assist in her cycle. And I took her to a three long after two years of competing. Um, she took me to my first prelim. Um, I'd done a handful of trainings before when I came to Jenny. And then from there, um, when Jenny got suspended, I offered the ride on Paprika to another working student because I didn't think she would want to go advance. Then Jenny gave me the ride, or Jenny and the gardeners. 
so kindly let me ride Kimbalda. So I got to do my first advanced and four star. Um, and then from there, I ended up getting help to purchase a young horse by the name of Pascal, who I also produced to the three star level. And now he's Jenny's. Love it. Yes. And and love all of those horses. Paprika, Pasco, Ping. 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 That was fun. Um, that came up on my memories recently, actually, of like, me really? going, uh, I think it was like New Year's Day that I did that. Um well, very cool. So obviously, you know, we've had some conversations on the podcast recently where, you know, we just want to talk about like the horse industry in general, because I think part of what Emily and I have always tried to do with the whole equestrian is this, you know, promote health and happiness through our love of horses. And as individuals who have spent years in the horse industry, there are certain things that aren't healthy and happy about working with horses. <laughs> inherently right and so um I want to talk about obviously some of the positives like let's start there you were there you stayed a really long time like what do you think are the rewards and the good part about picking a program sticking to it like continuing the day-to-day like what was some of your favorite parts of of doing that for such a long time um I mean I loved just I knew Jenny really well I knew the horses really well um you just gain so much more like respect for the horses because you've seen them go through the training process I, it would be the same as you know when you watch kids grow up like I you know Twilight's Last Gleam was five years old still trying to buck people off when I started and then I got to see him go five star um, so from like a grooming perspective that's really cool but then from a riding perspective um, I just think like I I understood Jenny most of the time <laughs> not to say there weren't times that I had no idea what she was trying to tell me to do but for the most part um I got to know her style and so I'd go into lessons not uh panicked like I think maybe some people get based on what I've heard just because yeah if you work for the same person yeah I just got to got to know what she expected and um the standard she set and stuff so I thought that was important and I just think like for opportunity wise I got opportunities really early on which I was lucky but if some people want opportunities within the first couple months of working for someone whether it's grooming they want to go overseas be the person who gets to go overseas I'm like well you haven't shown that you can even groom at a five star because you haven't had that opportunity what makes you think you're going to be the person that gets to go overseas um, or same thing with rides on horses you know you're not probably going to get a ride on a horse the first few months kind of yeah. have to um really work your way. And again, I was lucky. I, I got paprika pretty soon into my full-time work with Jenny, but we knew each other for a while before that. Um, and yeah, I, it obviously worked out really well for me. I had kind of a fairy tale um, as far as opportunities went with the horses uh, and we're really lucky just to work with them every day. And I'm very conscious of that, even being out of it now. And the thought, every time I think about if I would to, were to make it a career, I'm like, well, we, it's such a cool thing to be able to work with horses like we're very lucky to um be able to be around them every day but that being said as we know there's a lot of sacrifices that go with being able to work with horses yeah no definitely and and with you like I feel like it's kind of the trend now that kids are getting into working student jobs like younger younger and like doing what kind of you did of like I'm just gonna finish high school online and um you know maybe not go to my prom and not go to like this, you know, like the normal sort of developmental things. And um, I think too, like, you know, it's noteworthy that you didn't go to college. Like now that you're out, like, do you have any reflections on some of the sacrifices that you made and some of just like the normal people stuff that you've missed? Yeah. So uh, it was actually my condition when I started being full-time for Jenny. I was, cause I was about to be a senior in high school and I, was really into doing high school things. Yeah. Um, I said, I will not miss prom. I will not miss homecoming. I will not miss my powder puff flag football. Um, and I also worked at Rita's at the time to afford horses. Um, so those were my conditions. I was like, I need to be able to go make extra money um, after work. Like I can't work until 7 p.m. And I want to go do these things. And she was like, yep, no problem. Um, and I there was like a senior beach week that I wanted to go to. And I know I'm lucky because I know there are a lot of people who wouldn't have said yes to that that would have but Jenny was like yeah of course like I want you to go do that so as far as high school stuff went I was really good about not missing that 
as I got more invested in um, Jenny, there were definitely more things that I was like, well, I don't need to go do that. That I look back on, I'm like, "Mm, we didn't even have a horse show that weekend. I probably could have taken a weekend off to go on this trip or um, this or that. And I, I, you know, I try not to live with any regrets because um, obviously how hard I worked came with opportunities and stuff. And I think was appreciated, but it wouldn't have affected anything. And Jenny wouldn't have minded if I went. So it had nothing to do with her not letting me do things as far as like my own mentality being like, oh, I'm not working hard enough if I go do certain things. Um, And yeah, so I didn't go to college because I did the horse thing. And now I will say there are times where a degree would be helpful looking for jobs because a lot of people either require experience in an industry or um, college degree. So I have hit more snags than I thought. So I was like, well, I have, you know, some, some real experience that I think would be valuable, but it's hard for people to take a jump, not knowing that that would be relatable. Um, if I could have done both, I definitely would have, but it was definitely one or the other for me. So anybody who has the opportunity to go to college and ride, definitely do it. I just couldn't afford to do both. So I, yeah, I'm glad I took the path that I did because I've had way more experience than I could have ever gotten in college. But definitely, if, if you have the opportunity to go to college and ride, do it. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, you know, it's funny. One of my favorite things to do when writing resumes is like make my horse job sound like way cooler than what they <laughs> were. Like, you know, it's like you don't write your resume and be like shoveled shit and, uh, you know, brushed horses. I'm always like yeah. managed elite level sport horses to, you yeah. know, all overseas. And, you know, you just you find a way of making it sound like. Cool. Yeah. It's even even conversationally, you know, I, I talk to my non-horse friends and I make like the horse industry sound like, oh yeah, like airplanes with horses and like all, yeah. I like the cool stuff. And obviously like there is a lot of grunt work that comes with being in an industry, no matter how high up you get, right? Like even riders that own their own businesses find a day where like everyone's sick and they have to start mucking stalls. Like it just is the reality of it. Um but I, I really liked your reflection on like honestly being able to do that high school stuff because I feel like had you taken the job and you said like, oh, I wanted to do all these things because sometimes people make promises that they don't keep, right? Like, so yeah. it's like, oh yeah, like you can do all these things and like all of a sudden it's like, oh no, we're short-staffed. Oh no, like, you know, we've got a horse show. Oh no, you can't do this. I don't think you would have lasted as long as you did. No. And I will say like, it was helpful. I didn't have a horse with Jenny at the time. My horses stayed with my old trainer. So, um, I, not that I, Jenny probably would have ever done this, but I know some people would have, you know, Oh, well now we have to take care of your horse. Cause you're off at prom or things get held over people's head. Um, and again, luckily I wasn't in an environment that that probably would have ever happened, even if I did have a horse there, but that was definitely helpful. I see so many kids now, like I was also lucky, like I lived in Pennsylvania, 20 minutes from Jenny's barn. I got to live at home. I had a very stable home life. It sometimes worries me how many kids I see come from the middle of the country or live away from home fully. I only lived away from home when we were in Ocala. And then I lived with my parents around my normal friends for most of the year. And I think that's a big part of it as well. Um, It worries me how many kids are just going off on their own fully, um, not doing anything normal, um, not not attending. And if that's not your thing, that's fine. But I think at least living with your parents is probably healthy until you're, you know, more like 18 years old and then go off on your own. But when you're in the 15, 16, 17 even age, probably shouldn't be living away from your parents. As long yeah. as, again, your household is a stable household. Your parent, if your household's crazy, then by all means. absolutely and I feel like that you know it goes a lot with and even something that I felt when I started eventing because I would get it like I say I got in late right like I was like 17 years old when I did my first crazy that that's considered getting in late right like I'm like oh I feel like I'm so behind but I think that's what's happening is like these kids they see the goal of young riders dangled in the future and then they see oh I don't have the trainer around me to get me there so I'm gonna uproot my life and move and do school online and like I mean we know kids that literally you know moved across the country without their driver's license and then just like 
back at the bar. You didn't have a driver's license when you went to Ocala, right? Uh, I did have my driver's license, but I had gotten it like the day before I left and I didn't have a car. So yeah, shout out Emma Hartley for toting me around all winter. I was stuck, but I was stuck at the house for the most part. Um, like if I didn't basically go grocery shopping with her, I was just sitting in, in my little room, <laughs> my curtained room. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So like with that, like um, knowing that you did do young riders, right. Cause like, that's like so many young kids are like, I just, I need to get young riders or I'm not going to make it. Like, do you feel like your young riders experience was like a make it or break it experience for you? Um, not as far as like career stats goes, yeah. but as far as, and the program's so different now, I honestly, nowadays, I think it's less of something to go for. Cause it's not even you don't get to meet your teammates. I really hope they go back to what it used to be because it was an amazing experience. I'm still friends with most of the people. Um, and as far as like just getting that pressure sense, and I think still now the pressure is probably there, but the first real team experience and pressure, yes, it was a very, very cool experience. Career-wise, did it really matter? Probably not. I know my first year of Young Riders, I got eliminated Nobody even remembers that I got eliminated at Young Riders. Like no one, no one cares anymore. Right. Maybe for like three weeks, and then yeah, no one. When I tell people that, they're like, "Oh, really?" Because I'll, you know, nobody remembers that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, no. If if it's not kind of happening organically a little bit, I think you're fine. Don't uproot your whole life just to go to Young Riders. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, because that's like honestly. I had someone tell me like, oh, you have to go to Young Riders to make it. And like that single piece of advice probably ruined my career at eventing. Yeah. Yeah. It You don't. I actually, there's plenty of people who um, didn't do Young Riders. It's very cool. And if you have the horse and the cards are right, like by all means, Young Riders was so cool. I think about it all the time um, and the friendships I've made and things like that. But I don't think it's the be all end all to do. You can be successful without going to Young Riders. That yeah. being said, I did. I remember feeling such a uh, feeling like if I if I can make it as a Young Rider and you put your name out as a Young Rider, it makes everything else easier. You have to work twice as hard as an adult rider than you do as a Young Rider. Because it's just impressive that you're even going the level when you're 18. In my And still, in my opinion, 18-year-olds are jumping around advances or uh, even three stars impressive um whereas someone looks at a 27 year old and it's like not they don't think it as impressive so I do get that pressure feeling that oh let me let me see how far I can go while I'm still a young rider so it looks impressive but I don't know that that's really the case yeah but I remember feeling it so yeah it's interesting my one of my uh friends just uh, submitted like a article to eventing nation where she was kind of talking about like there's like a lot of focus on like young riders. There's a lot of focus on professionals, but like this like weird sliver of like being an adult is just like, yeah, they yeah. have programs and stuff, but it just seems like it gets like swept under the rug a little bit. Yeah. And I would, I would argue like, um, you know, I think a lot of people like say like, oh yeah, like, you know, Philip didn't go advanced until, you know, or like yeah. this person didn't even event until or Kevin Keen, right? Like he didn't even like yeah. do anything until he's like an old man jumping yeah. around. Um, but I think it's really, really common like to feel that pressure of wanting to establish yourself based on a level and feel like you're going yeah. something. Like your your value in eventing is based on where your names are on the leaderboard. Um, and not necessarily like, hey, you're winning all the beginner novices. It's like, no, like, are you going three star? Even finishing three star is better right. than having, like six horses that are winning every beginner novice that you do. Right, right. Yeah. And I, I was going to, um, I think you and Woods maybe touched on this topic a little bit, but I just think there's such more of a, a variety of like what makes someone a professional. Like you can be a professional, never go above three star, run an amazing lesson program. And to me, like, that's still just as successful as people who are going five-star because you're producing these amateurs who are the foundation of the sport a little bit. They're what pay for the events and things. I, I kind of wish uh, I would have known that because I think 
a lot of times you grow up thinking like the only way to do it is to have this a big owner or a couple big owners and pay for you to have a string of top horses only. And that's the only model of business. And I think that you can have one or two upper level horses and then a bunch of clients and be really happy doing it that way. And maybe that's a lower pressure business model than having 10 top horses. Because not everyone's made for that life to have 10 top horses. That does require you to be in the barn a lot. Um, but maybe you're okay with just having one or two and then you can just teach lessons and then live a more normal life. And I think that's something I wish I realized um, earlier than within the past six months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's actually interesting that you say that because I think people get so bought into the model, right? And like, it's hard to say people because I think like me and you and Woods and like we talk to young professionals that went into a professional program and it's like that is the success model of like if yeah. you want to be someone this is what you're doing and I'm sure there's tons of our listeners and tons of you know actual people in eventing that have no clue what an upper level barn runs like right and they're just like what what do you mean like you yeah. you, you had to go to a program but there's something to be said about that pinhole focus of once I define success as this, anything else feels like a failure. And I think yeah. that does tie into kind of what you're going through right now. And so I, I would love to kind of shift the conversation into your transition and what you did for the, you know, obviously you've been a, a little over a year out of full-time work in horses and what that feels like for you. Because to your point, I think you hit this place where it was like, I either have to do this thing that maybe isn't fulfilling me as much as I thought it would, or I need to leave the horses yeah. and not do it at all. And there is in between. Um, and I have a couple of friends, honestly, going through the exact same thing where it's like, okay, it's either here's my business or I need to like completely leave horses and just quit cold turkey. Um, and even for me, sometimes I'm like, okay, well, like I wanted to groom. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to touch a horse, right? Like, and I don't want to yeah. do that. And there is in between. So I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts about like how that feeling has progressed, even as you've spent more time outside of working full time. Yeah. Like you said, I kind of hit a point where I was like, I'm not ready to go out on my own. I probably have another two years before I'm ready to go out on my own. Um, which was fine. I started getting like Jenny was letting me leave early to go make extra money. So I wasn't working till nine every night. But again, I just saw myself in this cycle of working until even with her giving, letting me leave early to almost eight, at least five days a week, just to cover basic bills. And I, Pasco would have been ready to go four star with me. And he, you know, needed more things, body work, all that to go, you know, because he was young, it was fine. But I knew that he was going to need more stuff. And I was barely getting by doing what I was doing, which was working as much as possible. And so then I saw myself, okay, I'm here for another two years at least before I'm ready to go out on my own. And then I go out on my own and that's terrifying. <laughs> you you potentially work um, with no staff because you're out on your own. You know, I started, you know, getting self-conscious about, okay, well, who would work for me over Jenny Brannigan? So I'm going to be working by myself, trying to make this new um, business work. And probably for another two to three years going to be working even harder than I'm working now to make my business work. And I think I panicked a little bit uh, in that sense. And that wasn't something I needed to panic about. So I, I do, it's a hard box to open for myself because I'm really happy with what my decision-making, but to go back and think, okay, well, what if uh, is sometimes a little, a little scary. Um, but yeah, I think if I could tell myself, don't panic, you're okay. I also hit the, I'm going to be 26 or 25. I'm not going to have insurance. Yeah. Um, turns out it's not till you're 26, really. So I had yeah. another year, but I, you know, I, I started hitting all those panic, panic um, buttons a little bit. Um, so I did quit kind of cold Turkey. I also had a horse that I was like, okay, if I sell this horse, I could make some smart investments and then maybe come back into it when I'm better off financially. So made the decision to sell Pasco. Luckily, Jenny put together owners to buy him, which was best case scenario. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to move to Jacksonville. 
and live my beach life with my friends and I'm just going to not see horses for a year. And that lasted for about a month. And then I was like, wait, uh, I don't want to quit cold turkey. So I ended up freelance grooming a bunch that year, last year, which was nice. And I, I wish I had planned it a little bit more to not quit cold turkey because then I was backpedaling really fast after about a month and wanting to get myself more involved and grooming was the easiest way to do it. But I think I could have not quit cold turkey and not gone off on my own, but maybe, maybe bought a young horse and kind of kept it somewhere. Cause now, you know, it's been a year, it's kind of a little harder to get back into it after being away for so long. Yeah. And I think like, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think we could circle back in five years and have another conversation yeah. again, like what this time feels like for you, because again, everything in the moment is so polarizing, right? So like, just like we were talking about like the 14 to 18 year olds that are like, I must go to young riders and I must do this program and I must quit everything to like work so hard. I think the next phase of that is like the mid twenties where you're like, well, shit, do I want my life to look like this for the rest of my life? And when you've spent 10 years, it's like, no, absolutely not. Like, let me wash my hands of this. want to do it. And I think like it's forming what it looks like. And I think that goes more into our conversation of like, as an industry, right? Like what needs to change as an industry? Because I think everyone that I talk to in eventing says the biggest problem is that our financial model is not set up to be a successful business. Like, yeah, Look oh, for sure. The way that like a dressage barn runs or a show jumping barn runs, like the price structures, the price points, and just like the way that they sort of operate is more towards let's have profit. Like let's make sure yeah. that there's enough people to take care of these horses and make sure that, uh, you know, we're not in the barn past four o'clock and like everyone has a life. And, you know, you read like McLean Ward's like groom has like the best life ever right like it's, yeah yeah obviously like you know you're looking through like the the outside looking in it always looks better grass is always greener on the other side but I do think there is some legitimacy to the fact that like if you think about um you know even if I wanted to go take like a entry level position at a show jumping barn it's probably twice as much salary right off the bat than it is an yeah. event barn right so as an industry finances like is that one thing but what else do you think that the industry could do change improve upon to just like be a better and more sustainable career choice yeah I think um at least for from a staff perspective I can't speak on when you live when you're the boss but um because I, I thought about it a lot if I were to have my own what I would do differently and I think almost having more staff like more working students and then working less like yep. if you can't pay them, then give them time for them to go do other jobs or to um, even if they don't want to have other jobs because they are still able to live off their parents' money, then at least they can go live a life. But I think if you can't give them money, give them time. Yep. Um, but because there's such a structure of you work six days a week and some people, I mean, we were lucky because we didn't have to do late unless it was necessary. Um but like these kids are in the barn from seven until five thirty, probably at the earliest. And then they come back for lates, even if it's not every night. And that's just, that gives them no room to go get other jobs um, and no room to live a life. So I think that is definitely a direction you could go. And I feel like I see some people do that, but yeah, like why, why can't we work five days a week? You know, especially if you're not a lot of these kids don't have four-star horses that are working students. Like their training level horse could survive only working five days a week, or maybe you ride it for one day for them. Um, Cause I think that would be a lot more appealing to people in their twenties. Like, can I only work five days a week? Or maybe the weekends we don't have horse shows, Take be, let them take a weekend a month off. Yeah. Um, because I don't know that the sport's ever going to have the type of money that show jumping and dressage does because we don't have the prize money. So I don't blame professionals for not being able to pay their employees what show jumpers do, but then the opportunities need to be a little bit different. So that right. would be kind of my one, one complaint and the one thing I would want to change, I think. 
Yeah. Not one I've got a couple complaints, but right. that's a one. That, that's that's one big but no, and then I, I think that's it's interesting that like because you and I have more of like the staff input. And like when I talked to Woods, you know, she was talking about like, yeah, like I want to give better opportunities to people. I don't want to make it like I did, but then I'm the one that's paying the bills and like how the F do I afford this, right? Like Yeah, that was part of what scared me. I was like, I I know enough of the numbers. I'm not really sure how anybody's surviving out here. Um, and that, that was scary, but I do think that there's a better layout. Like you can make money if you light things out. It's been interesting watching Jenny, um, develop her business. Cause it was definitely like very classic. Like we had 20 something horses, bunch of staff, and she's kind of realizing like there's a sweet spot number, um, where you're making money, not having to have as much staff. So, you know, what you're spending isn't as much. Um, so it's been really fun to watch her kind of figure that out but I think she's kind of starting to really really get it they've got a good number of horses good number of staff she's like oh don't you wish you worked for me now I was like it does look really sweet now well about like the beginning of like because I think you may have even like calmed down since we've been there but like the first like six months I was there versus like the last two years that I was there I'm like, Alexa's been doing this for what, five years of just like, there's 10 more horses than their stalls. There's six teenagers running around that like, don't want to be told what to do. I, I came in and I was like, this is a lot to deal yeah. with. So, yeah. yeah I, it, it is kind of fun to have lived through those different phases. Um, again, because none of them were like torturous, like I know some people experience. Uh, and I can look back and laugh and be like, oh, that was a funny time. That definitely glad she learned that wasn't the the way to do it. Um, but yeah, the the when we had like 30 something horses, bunch of staff, like that's just not wasn't feasible for her, for us. Like you can't keep track of that many people, that many horses without absolutely losing your mind. I think the exponential like happiness for your staff changes. Like if you have AM horses and PM horses in your field versus if you have AM noon and PM horses in the field, like there is just. When you're setting up day turnouts. That's when you know you're probably, your staff is not going to be happy. Your staff will not be happy. There is not time to make two daytime paddock switches. And like yeah. it's just. And then, yeah. like, we have, like, three, like, oh, there's gonna be, like, three horses going out in the day in this paddock, and I was like, no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you're like, we gotta cut some numbers here, this isn't working. <laughs> no, not, not happening. Uh, but, you know, I think it's, like, it's so interesting, because, like, I think you and I have this experience with Jenny, where, like, Jenny was really receptive to that stuff, and, like, I think a lot of old-school equestrian, like, boss position is, like, oh, like, if you don't want to do that, you're just not cut out for this. Just work hard instead of like listening, right? Like silly things of, you know, at at my first job or it's my second job, there was like a water trough that literally I had to roll out like 50 feet of hose to fill up. And there was another spigot that you could go like 10 feet across the road. And I was like, you just move this water trough here. So I don't have to like wrestle 50 feet of hose. Like this is, this is stupid. Right. And like, you know, they're like, oh, like, work harder. You know, I'm like, how about work smarter? Like, harder. move their trough closer to the hose. Oh, I used to say, like, I am lazy, so I work smarter, for sure. Like, and that's a funny thing to call myself, considering all that I have, all my working. But I'm like, I I am a work smarter girl. Like, I will not be dragging 50 feet of hose if I don't have to. That's pretty funny. And, you know, and it's like the, the initial reaction of like, well, this is how we've always done it. I'm like, okay, but like, do you see that? Make it better. You see that spigot there? Like, just do it, you know? Yeah, and- I was going to say that, like, I feel like there is that generational and Jenny was the opposite. I feel like um, she did the working for a while, too. So she was really understanding, which is what made her great. Um, but on the other hand, some people go in the direction was like, well, this is how it was when I was growing up. This is how it has to be for you. And it's a very immature way of thinking because when you want to make it better for people, not, you know, oh, I suffered, so you have to suffer too. Like right. That's just not a very good mindset to have. And I feel like that's where people get stuck. And I find myself doing it. Like 
when I'm like, oh, I wish, I wish it was like that when I was there, like a little almost jealousy. And then I'd stop myself and be like, no, we're happy for them. Like we're happy that things are growing and changing. But it, you know, especially people who are running around all the time, I think it's easier for them to be like, well, I turned out fine. So you should also have to suffer. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, you didn't turn out fine. You're, you're crazy. (laughs) I miss my sister's wedding. So like, you're going to miss your sister's wedding. I'm like, let's not do that to people. Why? But why? Like, you know, I get it. Like, and I, it's so funny because like when you're young and you're in it, like you wear that sacrifice as a badge of honor, right? Like, I didn't do this and look at how hard I'm working. And like, you almost tie your sense of self-esteem to what you're able to withstand in terms of physical mental emotional like pain abuse whatever it's like I can persevere yeah Um, I'm like yeah I I can muck all the stalls in 45 minutes but I'm running around dripping sweat by the end of it I'm like that's not sustainable and that's like a lot for you to expect of other people and but you're you're right you do kind of get pride being like oh I'll work 18 hours for this show and it'll it just means that I'm a hard worker and sometimes that's just, you have to like shows are early and then run late, but that shouldn't be something that you're like super, super proud of doing all the time. Like, Hey, maybe this isn't really feasible to work three 18 hour days in a row. How can I make this easier? And I think it comes down to honestly, like that longevity conversation, because to me, the question is like, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And yeah. As someone who's been like really into fitness too, like when I started CrossFit, I would like the, the, the hardest version of the workout is called RX, right? So I would the workout every day. I'd put the heaviest weight on the bars. I would kill myself. I would leave there like, Oh, I worked so hard. (laughs) And just because you can, doesn't mean you should like, eventually your recovery is going to catch up with you. And so like, now I take this approach to physical fitness of like, I know I need to push myself, right? Like, I know this isn't going to be easy. I don't want yeah. it to be easy. is not the answer. And like, I think that's what the the communication error is between people like you and me and people that are in power running equestrian programs is because they think the answer is easy. People don't want easy. It's just challenges that are within your ability to recover from and continue yeah. to push forward through. Like, easy is not fun. Like we, you know, we get to the off season sometimes and we're like, all right, like, yeah, are we going on another hack today? Like, you know, but being able to recover and have that longevity piece, you know, instead of going 110% for five years and then feeling like you never want to do it again, going 70%, giving you times when you're going 0%, there's going to be those days where you have to go 150%. Like, yeah, like if you're at Kentucky, you're going to have to go the extra mile to make sure your horses are okay and fit and sound. Right. So many people are running at 150% every single day of the week. Yeah. And that that's not sustainable. And when there were times like that, I remember me and you talking, we're like, this isn't sustainable. Like someone's going to burn out. Yeah. Um, and again, like, I feel like we were pretty lucky Jenny was usually pretty conscious about that kind of stuff, but I know there are other people that aren't. Um, And, you know, we worked for one of the good ones and there were still things like that that happened. So I can only imagine um, what other people are going through. So yeah, definitely needs to, needs to change because I get, I get worried. People are always looking for staff. I'm like, you know, and they're, they're going to people who don't speak English. I know so many people have um, these guys who are good, but you have so many people who don't speak English in people's barns now because they can't find uh, working students that are willing to put up with them anymore. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of, I mean, the culture nowadays is people are just not willing to put up with that, like across the board in working environments. Even I've you know heard it in, in the quote unquote real world, like people just won't tolerate not getting vacation times. Like people aren't uh, dealing with it in the real world where there is vacation and they only have to work five days a week. People definitely aren't wanting to deal with it when they're working as hard as horse people work. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's like interesting to look like even at like, like you said, like the real world, our U.S. culture versus European culture. I think there's like a push, like especially 
COVID was the change, right? Like people got to work from home and they got shit done and they were productive and they were like, I don't want to drive 40 minutes on the freeway to do what I could do just as well at home, if not better, right? Because I feel like now I can still get work done when my kid's sick and not stress about like paying someone to watch them. Holy crap, like that's way better. Or, you know, I've got time to go to the gym because I don't have to spend, you know, an hour and a half commuting to my job. Like all those little things is looking more holistically at a person, right? And I think like sometimes equestrians are seen as just equestrians. And I know like I felt guilty for wanting to do anything that wasn't related to horses, right? Like I was like, oh no, like, you know, I'm gonna do this thing and it's not related to horses, I must not be as serious as I want to. And like, that's just not human. No, I, I'm very passionate about that. Like, because if all you do is horses, when the horses are going badly, your whole world is going badly. Whereas if you can have stuff outside of the horses, you're having a bad day, you can compartmentalize it. Think and say, okay, I'm going to go do this other thing. I'll deal with that tomorrow. Or you're, because if it was your only thing, you just lay there in bed crying probably about, your life and I just think that that's unhealthy and some people yeah I I hate the narrative that if you're doing other things you're not as committed as the next because and if you look at any other sport that is you know professional athletes yeah they're the NFL players are do you know at training camps all the time but they still have an outside life and they're doing just fine and those are you know people that are playing for millions of dollars every Sunday. So I, I don't know why we don't look at other professions and kind of see we're the only ones that are this crazy. Crazy, yeah. No, and, and I, I think like the one thing that I, I think I said it with Woods too, but like, it doesn't matter what that thing is, right? Like if you want to yeah. go get a football game with your friends and I want to go like attend a seminar on something that like I want to learn about, like those are equal. And that's one thing that like, I regret about like our time together is I would often feel like, well, I want time off for this thing. That's like educational and pure and wholesome. And like Alexa just wants to go like party with her friends. Like no, Alexa's allowed to go party with her friends. Right. Like that's totally just one time off from the horses. Yeah. Yeah. Like we all just want time off from the horses and what, what I view as refreshing time off from the horses might be different than like, like I wanted to go do my, jujitsu competitions and I'm like well your work day like when you're horse showing like you get to you get to horse show and work at the same time like I want to go compete like (laughs) just it's really easy and I think it's important to bring it up because it's really easy to let some of this stuff affect the dynamic in the barn too yeah it's very easy to compare and then I think you get like you you happen upon this a lot where we would get working students in that are like, oh, well, like Alexa gets to do this, this, and this. And like, I just want to get to do it too. It's like, yeah, like we want you to have a good life working student. Like, don't get me wrong, but Alexa deserves more opportunities than you because you've been here for two months and she's been here for six years. Yeah. Yeah. That, that goes back to like where I think people need to realize you have to put your time in and not that they shouldn't get time off or anything like that but as far as the bigger opportunities and the really special things like you gotta put your time in especially if there's someone uh, maybe you'll get lucky and nobody's worked there for very long but if you're going into a program where there's people that have worked there for a long time like you kind of have to understand that they're going to get the opportunities most likely and there's not too many programs where people have worked there for a long time but at the same time do you want to be going to those programs anyway? people haven't lasted very long yeah. But yeah, I, I, I try, it's so funny thinking back on things like that. Cause I'm like, yeah, there were, there were times where I remember I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. You can have that day off and I'll just not. It's fine. Yeah. I'm like, I probably should have just put my foot down, but I was always conscious. I'm like, well, I just want them to like be happy. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's so, it's, it's a difficult conversation. And I think that's where it's like, there's the conversation of realistic thinking of like things that we could do like tomorrow, right? Yeah. For an extra working student, don't pay them, have them work AM and PM shift, right? Like yeah. don't have them have a horse in your barn. Say like, yeah. you know, maybe they have their horse down the road and like you go there to take lessons. Like if you yeah. can't 
I think like, it's like, oh yeah, like look at how much hay and straw and feed I'm paying. Okay. Well get a working student that lives at home that can drive to your farm and is going to be there from seven to 12. And then they can either go do school and live off their parents or they can go work. Like whatever yeah. that looks like, don't give them all this thing and say like, oh, here's all this stuff that I'm giving you. Now I own you. Right. Like, yeah that more open conversation about like, what are you willing to give to me? And what do you right. think it's worth in return? Yeah. And I think that's really a very doable thing. Um, and I'm not honestly sure why more people don't do that. I think, cause they're just stuck in like, this is what a working student is. And it's what it does. And it just doesn't have to be that way. Like just record the hours they work and teach them lessons or offer to haul their horse for free things that maybe don't cost you outward money you know throwing throwing a horse on your trailer when it's going anyway and you have an open spot doesn't cost you anything and then you're not having to pay them but it's still a huge value to them um and so that's kind of where I'm like a little confused why more of that's not happening and people complain that you know this sports outpricing people but they're kind of making it that way like when a working student I know working students that pay to be working students you know how do you expect a kid to to do that unless their parents have money and they can pay for it for them then we're only allowing these opportunities for kids who have money yeah yeah no and and I I similar to you like my first working student job was driving distance from my house and like I think that's like really valuable um you know you don't need to go especially like look at your level like look at where you're going I feel like the pool of people that are going three star and above is not that big, right? Yeah. Like you're, if you're literally planning on doing some beginner novice novices and trainings, chances are there is someone close to your house. I, I know Wisconsin, like you're not necessarily going to do that, but like, look, look at the barns. Like don't uproot your life. Go, go work for a dressage trainer. Go. Yeah work for a western rider like I think people yeah. get to a pinhole that's yeah that's a good point I know I know we're we're spoiled because we both grew up like an area too where there's about a trillion people to choose from yeah. um but like you said like you could go show jump with someone and still event you know maybe you'd have to take clinics and the cross-country part would be a little difficult but if you're going be your novice it's, you're gonna be okay I think yeah, with that sure. show jump training or maybe that show jumper had some background in eventing and they're willing to go cross-country schooling with you don't move your life from middle of the country to area two just to go beginner novice you know give yourself a couple of years going beginner novice novice and then if you still want to do it you can come out east and I my first the first time I went beginner novice I had spent a year at college doing dressage like I think I might have jumped my horse like once or twice over an entire like school year and then I went I was home for like three weeks and I went to my first beginner novice and like guess what dressage training is really, really good all you gotta do is bumps in it and boom you're going beginner novice yeah 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 not to knock anybody going beginner novice because let me tell you, beginner novice courses are the biggest courses sometimes, I'll tell you what, depending on what you're riding. <laughs> so I feel that, but. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, well, um, what do you think, like, are some key points of advice that you would give to someone that, like, does want to pursue a career in horses? Yeah, I would say um, definitely if you can find a, if you're young, find a trainer within distance so you can stay at home. If that's not doable, um, just make sure you go to someone who is going to be more than just a coach and a boss. Maybe um, if you're a kid, you know, don't go to someone who's also a kid, maybe still, you know, making a business. So finding the right person is important. And I know that's probably easier said than done, but call them on the phone. See, maybe that you, if you're young, your parents can also talk to them, which would kill some professionals. I know. Sorry, you guys. But um, some of them don't want to be parents to a 16 year old. And so that would, that would be for the young ones, like really find the right person, um, for yourself. And if you're a little bit older, still find the right person that you get along with, you like their teaching style. Maybe you've clinicked with them before. Um, and from there, just trust them, which is a hard thing to do. Um, and I got lucky 
with Jenny in that way, but I just, I worked hard and I kind of just trusted anything she told me to do horses to buy opportunities. And I feel like things kind of fall into place usually when you work hard and you're with the right person. Um, and that being said though, go take college classes if you can see if, you know, put your foot down being like, I'm going to take college classes. Like this is what I can offer you. Um, and if people aren't willing to do that, like maybe you're not at the right place. Um, yeah, that'd probably be my biggest, biggest advice. Yeah, I'm sure I'll think on it later and I'll have way more things to say, but putting you on the spot like that, that's what I got. No, it always happens like that. No. And, and I think like, you know, if for some reason, like we do have professionals listening to this, try to find a way to let your people take classes, right? Like I got my doctorate while I was grooming for Jenny at five stars. Like I would do. Yeah, it was totally doable. It was doable. Like I took three classes at a time, which most people don't. Like I was like, I'd be cranking out, uh, you know, uh, I'd sometimes sit with horses, like with the MagnaWave, like, and I'd bring my laptop out and like, I'd type there. Like I just use opportunities where I'm like, hey, like I've got this homework assignment done um, and we've got, a two hour drive to the horse show, Alexa, can you drive so I can type out this assignment or, you know, yeah. like those little pieces of, I'm going to listen to my lecture in my AirPods while I'm hand grazing at Red Hills. And like, it's not, you have to be a certain type of person, I think, to do that. I, guess, sure. I realize that like, I'm very driven and like very motivated and most people don't get their doctorate and like groom at five stars at the same time. But yeah, probably not. Besides the stress rashes that I don't think were related to school, <laughs> it wasn't that stressful. Like looking back, God, like, I, stress rashes. I forgot about them. Rashes were more, I think, from like honestly driving the trailer stressed me out a lot. Like always driving the trailer and feeling like I would have to go to an FEI with like not enough help. Like those probably yeah. the two triggers of the stress rash. Like an away show FEI where we had like horses in different divisions that I like didn't yeah. know who was going to pull it all off um or like hey like yeah like we have seven horses at Great Meadow and like you're going to be fine the first two days on your own <laughs> yeah yeah am I, do that. am I um but no <laughs> it was like I mean Jenny was really good about like hiring Max Corcoran or Emma Ford to like come help like if we had those situations and guess what the stress rises went away so um <laughs> being able to like actually provide the help and give those opportunities so that people can be happy and be healthy. And I think like a lot of times, like a professional rider will come in a few hours late because they had a doctor's appointment or they went to the chiropractor and they don't realize like that is so much of what like helps make them happy. Like just the little yeah. bit of freedom to feel like I can take care of myself. Yeah. And I know that not every like working student is thinking about that. Like, you know, some of them are drinking Dr. Pepper and eating Doritos, but I know that me, I would have felt like really great if I had known, like, you know, I could make a chiropractor appointment or even gone to like a yoga class every yeah. Wednesday morning before I came in. And so even if it's not school, even if it's not, I want to go make extra money outside. Like those are things that give us that autonomy piece of, I have a yeah. choice in my own life. And so as a professional or as a boss, the question you have to ask is what ways can I give my staff autonomy? And yeah. as someone that's feeling stuck and burnt out or like they're not where they want to be with horses, the question is, well, what ways are my autonomy taken away from me? And how can I have that uncomfortable conversation to say like, these are like the three things that I think would make me happy and they might not even be financial based right like I don't yeah. I think a lot of people that working their current salary would be exponentially more happy if they had a day that they were sure that they could leave at a yeah. certain time or like an extra half day a week yeah uh, just those little things or like um I know I was in one position where we wouldn't know what our day off would be until like the day before I, was oh, yeah, like, that's that's I can't make any plans you know we knew if there was no horse show we were taking Sunday off if there was a horse show we were taking Monday off okay yeah. great we can fucking make plans now and like have a life yeah and that was the that was a big thing when like we kind of took over I remember like set days off of course it was like flexible to change if people needed it to but I really felt like that was helpful because 
people could make, you know, schedule things. I hate, I hear so many people that they just don't know their day off until the day before. And I'm like, that is no way to live life. And like you were saying with the, you know, giving people flexibility on that, like doing it before things get bad. Like don't wait for your employee to burn out and threaten to quit before you're like, what can I do to make you stay? Like, why not do that before it gets to that point? Cause I think it's totally doable. Maybe once a week, each employee gets to come in late an hour, a sleep in day in addition to their day off. Like that would probably make all the difference in the world for some people. Yeah. And most of the time the rider's like not even there, like for that hour, yeah. like, well, what does it matter anyways? And like, uh, yeah, obviously these are all things that change of like, yeah, the week before Kentucky, we're probably taking 7am lessons every day. And like, it might right. be in that week, but like just knowing that it's there. Um, and no, like, I think people want to do that for really good employees. And I think another message is like, if you think back to like how you started, like, yeah, like I was always like there, right? Like I always showed up on time and I always was working hard, but like, I didn't know what I didn't know. And yeah. so I think back to like working student Tyler at 17. And at the time I thought I was like a great employee. And like I'm like, wow, I was a full employee. Like that, like I, there are things that I just like did not know enough to do. Right. Like, yeah checking legs and like feeling legs and ligaments and tendons like that's something that probably like three years in to working in the horse industry I got better at so I think we get kids and we write them off of like oh they're not going to work hard enough they're dumb they they don't know teach people help people like those opportunities are also part of longevity and growth and like Also, you can, you can teach them your way then. I loved getting the younger ones. Sydney Shin's probably my favorite example ever. That kid, she did not know when she came in and she ended up being our best employee and she still is awesome. She'll come in and help us. She's like a little fairy, but boy, she come in, she knew nothing. It was was fun. You got, we got to teach her exactly how we wanted to do things. Like she turned out so great, but I think there are a lot of people that maybe would have been like, oh, this kid doesn't know anything at the beginning. And it didn't take more than two months for her to become easily the hardest worker in there. Yeah. Shout out Sydney Shin. Love her. Sydney was awesome. Literally like first week working for Jenny. Sydney's got a broken arm. Jenny's got a broken jaw. Like me and Sydney Shin, I'm just like looking at this child. Like, tell me what to do. Like, I'm supposed to be your boss. Please tell me what to do. (laughs) Like there's not much direction here. Our boss can't speak. Her jaw's wired shut. I'm like, I don't know any of these horses' names. You can't ride. She's like, I'm, I'm going to put you on them. I'm like, all right, Sydney, let's go. That was honestly so much fun. Um, I had a really good time. Feisty and Rose. Oh. That's a Feisty and Rose. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's, that's when your love affair with Feisty started. Yeah. Um, Tyler, this is more just you, honestly. But so, but I think you'd find it interesting. So I've started running. I'm a runner now. And I'm a normal person, had to give myself some activity. Um, And I use this app back to the recovery thing. And it's really cool. They give you like, you can set a goal or you cannot. And they give you your schedule for the week and you have those recovery runs. And it was just making me think of what you were saying earlier about going like really hard. And it's been really fascinating because we would never do it to our horses. I don't understand why we treat ourselves any differently, but it's been cool to kind of consistently do that and see how important like Cause I just kind of wanted to do the fun speed runs all the time. Um, and it's been fun to be like, okay, no, do the recovery days, the boring, long, slow runs. Because if I do the speed runs all the time, I'm like knackered. And then I don't want to run on my fourth day or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. I feel and like that's something you'd be proud of. That's a, that's a sure way to get shin splints too, is like going just like hard all the time. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's don't just- worry. I have a, I have a knee injury. Wow. I don't stretch my knee hurts. I'm like, who am I? Wow. Yeah, no, it's funny too. Like the, like you think of like things that you would have done in the horse industry. Like I've been sick like a a bit because I teach kids to So they bring all their germs in and they get me sick. And like, I take sick days and I'll just like lay on the couch and do nothing or like read a book or just like feel like shit. And I think like, you know, two years ago, I would work through this. I would just be like, yep, gotta keep I moving. Stalls. Yep. I'll take my lungs up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. See? I know. I'm, I'm like, have I gotten soft? Probably a little bit, but probably in a good way. Yeah, probably in a good way. Like, 
don't need to work through the flu. Yeah. Yeah. Like the other day I was, or the other week I had a, a cold and it lasted two days because all I did was rest. Usually my, my cold lasts like two weeks. Yeah. Cause you don't give your body time to recover. So, um, you know, always, always interesting. Um, so we alluded to some of like the feelings of, you know, right now you're like, okay, like, you know, wish I had a college degree or maybe hadn't like forced quit horses so much. Do you have like an idea of what the next year looks like for you? Do you have like plans in store for yourself? Yeah. So, um, I have two virtual jobs, one of which I just started helping, um, Brittany, who does business consulting with equestrians, which is really cool. Um, and she wants to build it and get more clients. So I just started that, which is going to be really fun. Um, and I was really big on wanting to keep the virtual job so I can still freelance here and there. But um, I live with two of my best friends from high school, and we live in this really cute apartment um, in Jacksonville by the beach. And I'm really going to give it a go of giving myself a more normal life because I did a bad job last year. I was traveling so much. So, um, yeah, I'm going to just keep trying to live my most normal life. And then at the end of the year, um, or a year and a half kind of decide, do I want to step back into the horses more full time or not, but I'm trying not to put a timestamp on it. If something happens organically, I've said, like, if the most perfect horse shows up, um, for the right price, like I would buy it, there's farm. I've made some connections with, um, hunter jumper people near me, um, that I could keep a horse at. So I'm just trying not to put any, any time restrictions, any force on anything. I'm just living. I work at, or I volunteer at the Humane League. I just try to do all the things that make me feel happy Um, and then help, help horse people out, you know, to get my fill of horses. You know, if anybody asks me to freelance, the answer is probably yes, especially if it's to a cool location. Um, And yeah, I I still not, I haven't written horses off, but I I think I'd really have to decide what my model would want to look like. Like I told you, I've thought about it a lot of how I could make it work. Um, And if maybe sales would be my thing or is teaching my thing. So I think if I go back into it, I'd want to do it right and do it really well and have a really clear idea of what I would want it to look like. But for now, I'm really enjoying my normal life. I'm living my best. Like I feel like sometimes I'm in, um, I want to say uh, college, except minus the drinking part, because we're too old for that now. We're we are like beer fridge is uh, stocked with kombucha. I love it. So and like we like do yoga and go on runs and are living our like healthy lifestyle over here, and I'm really enjoying it. But you're like like what I was when we worked together. I know, dude. uh, We would we would get along so great. Now I'm like I want to go to yoga classes and all these just really organic things. You know what? Give me a call when you start going to like make pottery and like paint nights and stuff like that. Cause oh, yeah, that's- we do that. <laughs> like, I feel like I've aged 10 years in the past year. Like I went from being really happy to go out every weekend to like, I don't want to go out at all ever. I want to stay in my apartment with my girls and have like cute girl nights and like walk on the beach and do really sweet things like that play pickleball I feel like it's like almost too like you don't need that like release like sometimes like when you're I know a lot of equestrians engage in like bar like clubbing type things and I feel like it's maybe like I definitely had days where I said like I don't drink but I understand why equestrians do like that was like probably my motto in the horse world was like I get why people need to like go do that and like you just don't yeah. have for it anymore true I know sometimes it's a, I don't want to say boring boring is probably not the right word but the lack of like drama and intensity and emotion I'm like god I haven't cried in so long sometimes I long for a good cry <laughs> like I probably that's probably not healthy but think my emotions are just so steady now kind of yeah. miss sometimes the highs and lows I'm just like constant I'm constant all the time which is probably good do yourself a favor just call someone that's still in the full-time horse world and and you'll get you'll feel the emotions they like flutter in your as soon as you hear some sort of drama that's happening in a barn somewhere it's like it's the fight or flight comes on and you're just like very very grateful but no again I always give the caveat with this conversations like the point is not to just sit here and shit on the horse world like again Alexa and I have both 
great things to say about Jenny and other experiences that we've had in the equestrian world. Um, and the point is to make it better. Right. And so like there is not a life without drama that doesn't exist. There's not a life without suffering. And like, honestly, if you look into like stoic philosophy, like suffering and embracing like that, that is part of life, right? Like Buddhism, that's one of the principles. It was like, life is suffering. So like acceptance for that suffering um, is, is great. But I think like we take it too far sometimes as a, so. I know it's such a great, it could be such a perfect job and world not perfect but such an amazing job and world and it's really close to being that and I think that's why like you and I are so passionate about why can't we make it better because it could really really be a cool job yeah and it is and and honestly like I would say that my last six months like and obviously it's like things were going really well right like Foxy did great at the Nations Cup Toddy finished fourth at the Maryland five star it's like when you're in that time I felt that pang of like, what am I leaving? Like, why am I leaving? Like, this is awesome. But horses go lame. People get hurt. Like rotational falls happen. And like, that is part of the sport. And I think that you have to have a tough skin, but you also have to have the self-compassion for like giving, giving yourself time to be a human and not just like, well, those bad times don't affect me. Just work harder. Right. I, that's funny. You say, you know, you kind of finished on a high. That was another big part of like, when I quit is like, I just felt like I was at a high and I knew it was going to drop. And I was like, I should, I should get out while I'm up here, uh, which I feel like was, it's, it's hard to do. I was like, well, why I have a horse ready to go four star. I'm like, you know, that that's not going to be a perfect road. Just you're, you're doing well. And that probably, it was kind of a funny time to leave. I know a lot of people were like, I don't understand it, but yeah. It was nice to come out when I, when things were high. Yeah. No, seal it with a bow. Just be like, all right, that's good. But it was perfect. I'd never, I was never injured. Like, yep. Yep. My first injury was literally freelancing for Jenny and my nail got ripped off. Like after I stopped working for her and I'm like eight years, I worked for you for eight years. Not one incident. That's not then, true. You had uh, your face like I did get well, kicked in the face, but that was like there. That was within the first four months of working for her. So I, I like cut my time after that. Right. That was bad. You'll have to put if this was like a video podcast, you could just put my messed up face I'll, on it. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll post that to uh advertise <laughs> podcast. We like join Alexa Lab. She got kicked <laughs> in the face. <laughs> And she survived, ended up having a great career. It was awesome. I don't regret it. It was fixed. I know, kind of. I I got hit. My friend's dog hit it when in the recovery period. So we have a little, got a little messed up. It's okay. It's okay. Anyways, um, we went, we went from the, you know, sort of state of the industry conversation to success and nose jobs. So I think we'll, we'll wrap it up there unless there's anything else you want to, you want to say. No, that's it. All right. Thanks, Tyler. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. And in the meantime, enjoy the ride. Also, just wanted to point out that if you haven't listened to our episode from a few months ago with Stephanie Everett, you're going to want to make sure to check that out. We still have a few spaces available in our whole equestrian lake girl retreat that's going to take place in deep creek maryland from the 16th to the 19th listeners of the show get a special discount um i can't say enough good things about this event and this opportunity so make sure you're checking that out and uh reaching out with any questions